listening to On the Couch with Carly. Carly's Couch is a safe space to talk. I'm a psychologist, but I'm not your pipe-smoking, tweed-wearing stereotype. Hello and welcome to On the Couch with Carly. I am quite excited about today's episode because I've been thinking about it for a long time and I haven't had the time to record so it's like a bit of a build-up for me um so I hope I managed to get all my thoughts out there in a reasonable way um if you hear some weird noises it's probably my squeaky chair I don't know what to do about my squeaky chair it it you you might hear some funny squeaky noises I apologize in advance for that so today's topic um it's quite an interesting topic. It's a I, so I'm currently postpartum with my second. Um, my baby is six months old now, and I want to reflect on what I've learned thus far. Given that I've now had my second child, I've been thinking about what lessons have I learned from having my second that have taught me something that I wish I'd known during my postpartum period with my first Um, or at least when I was a new mom a first-time mom what would I what would I have benefited from knowing that I now know as a second-time mom and of course I say this with a massive disclaimer that if you are a first-time mom and you hear any of this and you go yeah right I want you to know that I do not expect anyone to know this stuff already as a first-time parent. I don't, I'm not upset with myself for not knowing it as a first-time parent. I know that it's hindsight and that hindsight is 2020 vision, right? Like, of course, now that I know, I would want to do it differently, but I cannot and could not have known then. And so I am making these reflections purely as a way of of just processing the experience that I'm having with my second and making sense of how there have been changes that have occurred in me since being a second-time parent. Um, and maybe if you listen to this and you're pregnant or you're a first-time parent, maybe these lessons might be beneficial to you. I don't know. That would be great. Um, But if they feel like it's impossible, then that's also fine because we can only be in the season we're in. And I really do believe that these lessons, these quote-unquote lessons, you know, they, they can only be learned when you're ready to learn them. And so that is often the case that we learn them later and that's okay. We need to have forgiveness for ourselves. We need to have grace for ourselves. So I'm going to start with a few ideas that I've been having about what I've learned. And then I'm going to share with you some of the ideas that were shared on my Instagram, because I also asked my followers whether they had some ideas for what they had learned as second time parents. Okay. So, what really got me thinking with about this was just thinking about, okay, my, my second born is now no longer in the newborn phase. And I, I was watching these 
reels on Instagram where there's a current trend where they share, um, where, where you share a reel and it's like the things that I'll miss about the newborn phase and it, and it goes to, through a bunch of things like the newborn scrunch, you know, the way they scrunch their bodies up little into like little balls and the way they um, get milk drunk or the way they have active sleep and they like roll their eyes and move their faces in their sleep or the way they suck on things that aren't the nipple and they show that they be sucking on the note on someone's nose and um, you know, the, the, the gassy smiles, those sort of things. Right. So I was thinking about that and I was like, hmm, I wonder what I will miss from the newborn phase. And then it made me think about how, you know, there's this thing in motherhood and I think it's such a real thing, but it's this constant conflict, this 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 feeling torn between wanting to soak soak up the moment because you know it's fleeting and your baby's growing and developing and your child is going to get older and as they get older they're going to change and need less from you and um you know just become more independent and have their own lives and and so there's something about wanting to sort of hold on to and and really live into the, the current moment but then at the same time there's something really hard about doing that there's something really hard about the current moment i mean babies are hard work toddlers are hard work being a mom of a small child is is really hard and so a lot of the time we're sort of wishing it away and we're caught between these two positions wishing it away and wanting to hold on to it and i think that's such a hard thing to hold inside of our bodies and 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 so if that's what you're feeling and if that's what you're dealing with, I just want to recognize it and say, yes, we all are there. We're all there. But if I was to think about what did I experience the second time round and how that would have been so amazing if I had known that and learned that earlier and could have enjoyed it and, and made use of it in the, you know, when I was a first time parent. So first and foremost, I think one of the things that I really would have liked to have enjoyed more the first time around is, you know, really just leaning into and going with the, the fact that newborns are in some ways easy. So how are newborns easy? Well, now that I have an older child, a child that talks, a child that has their own will, a child that expresses themselves and tells me what they want and what they don't want and has um, a lot more, um, is a lot more engaging and a lot more kind of responsive and present and, you know, is a person that I have to engage with. You know, now that I know what that's like, I can appreciate the fact that newborns are pretty chilled they don't move so you can put them down somewhere and they stay there they do a lot of sleeping so there's a lot of downtime there's a lot of time when they're not even needing anything from you other than maybe to be a place for you to for them to sleep on and 
I don't remember finding it chilled as a first-time mom. I don't remember feeling like, oh, it's so nice. I get to just lie around with my baby all day because I didn't feel that way. And, 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 and in all honesty, it isn't like that because when your baby's sleeping, you're probably cleaning bottles or sterilizing equipment or folding baby clothes or sorting out, I don't know, the nursery or washing yourself, you know, feeding yourself. Um, you know, there's various things that, that you do and need to do when your baby sleeps. And so it isn't always chilled. But I do think that what I having a sec having a second child has taught me that you know one of the things i was like longing for now as a second time mom was like waiting for my big kid to be doing something else so going out um going out of the house or going to school or you know just being out of the equation because then it felt like i could chill with the baby um, which I didn't feel like I could do with my firstborn. And it really, I really, it really struck me that like actually probably I could have leaned into that whole thing a lot more first time around. I could have seen those first three months as a chance to like catch up on series and watch a lot of Netflix and, you know, to do like a lot of lying around in my sweatpants and just enjoying being a bit, like schlumpy you know and I, I I think I did enjoy it a little bit more the second time around like I've actually enjoyed being schlumpy and just kind of like I guess like tapping out from all social activities and you know not needing to like keep up appearances and looking like you know like the put together mom but just sort of kind of going into that um newborn cocoon mode where it's like you know what I don't have to get dressed I don't have to have my hair looking a certain way like today's tasks is to keep this baby satisfied you know and kind of sticking to a rhythm or a routine and other than that just like yeah connecting smelling the baby um I know that sounds funny, but just like breathing the baby in is such an important part of parenting a newborn, sitting and holding the baby and just feeling their body up against you and just cuddling and all of those that, you know, the squishiness of a newborn, like you just don't get that for very long. And a newborn is like a little cuddle. It's like having a little puppy, you know, it's like they just want to be on you all the time and you can and they're so floppy and they, they're so, um, you know, they don't wriggle that much. They kind of just lie around and it's, you're not going to get that for very much longer. You know, soon they start to just be such different little beings where, you know, like now my six month old is, is moving and wants to be playing with toys and wants to be, you know, putting things in its mouth and, you know, that's not the case in the newborn phase. It's very chilled and there's there's not a lot of activity required. And actually you want to sort of be more focused on not stimulating them. And yeah, so I I really wish that I had known this. I really wish that I had kind of like known that it's okay to just chill with your baby. It's okay to just 
schlumpf around. It's okay to be schlumpfy for, because it's very, very short. And then, you know, soon after that, life becomes busy with a baby, you know, and, and then you've got to start feeding them solids. So you've got to like, your whole life becomes around, becomes this, this nonstop feeding process. You're just going from one meal to the next, prepping, organizing, planning, feeding, cleaning up after, you know, <laughs> it's a lot more involved and a lot more, um, there's a lot more labor, you know, whereas actually the newborn phase, the labor is, I think, number one, you're healing from birth, which is huge. Number two, breastfeeding, getting breastfeeding right can be really hectic and like the whole feeding process. And number three, then their tummies are really problematic when they're little. So there's a lot of burping and a lot of like, you know, making sure they're digesting properly, which is, which is taxing. And, and they, you know, they can be quite hard to soothe sometimes. They get quite um, upset and distressed. But really, that's something that I that I would would love to have been able to share with my with my past self and say, you know, just enjoy it, just 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 snuggle up and get comfy and get cozy and 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 enjoy the relaxation aspect of it, enjoy the the low key aspect of it, um, because it's the last time it's going to be like this. Um, yeah, so that's. That's where I'm at right now. And now I'm going to read through some of the ideas that were shared by my followers. Um, so someone said, don't freak out as much. Everything is going to be okay. Babies cry a lot and it's okay. So I think, yeah, it's very hard to say to someone, don't freak out because when we freak out, we freak out, right? And I, but, I, but I do think that when you're new to parenting, these these sort of things can be very jarring. Like your baby being upset can feel like the end of the world. Now, of course, there are um, biological reasons for this. Our brains literally are wired. And this is for, you know, evolutionary reasons. Like we need to be very, very attuned to our baby's cries. But like the reason for this is our brains are wired so that when our babies cry, it feels like the end of the world to us. You know, it's almost like a smoke alarm. It's like, it's like you can't think of anything else other than this baby crying. And I think that that there's, that that's, there's a reason for that. I'm not sure what this person means by freaking out, but I suppose what I struggled with as a new parent first time around was I sort of responded to the baby's cries as if I was on trial. So if the baby was upset, it was because I was failing as a parent. And I think that's a really important distinction. If I could go back, I would probably say, I would try to say to myself, look, stop equating your baby's mood or your baby's experiences as to do with your value or your worth as a mother. Okay, number two, breastfeeding is not a competition. If you do not partake, it does not mean you lose. I love that. I think that's really important. Look, I don't know if I've resolved this at all because I think breastfeeding and feeding in general is a highly emotional topic. And I think that we have very complex relationships to to our feeding journeys. And it's very, very hard as a mother to not equate your ability to feed your baby whether it's with your body or not as a success or a failure I really really think that that's a huge 
huge theme and a big struggle to try and avoid. And I don't, I personally haven't been successful at that. If you have been successful at just being chill about the fact that like you did breastfeed or you didn't breastfeed or you fed with bottles or you didn't, you know, bravo to you because I think a, there's a lot of messaging in our society around breast is best. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of messaging from other mothers about this judgment from other mothers about breastfeeding and bottle feeding. And, and there's also like a kind of like innate, I guess, judgment that like, here are my boobs, they're filling with milk, I can't do anything to stop them, you know, but if feeding doesn't work for whatever reason, it's very distressing to have your body work in a certain way and then not be able to feed the baby with these full milk, milky boobs, you know. And then I think the same thing will be, you know, on the flip side of this is that, that the opposite is true, is that if my if my breasts if my baby is like, you know, rooting and looking for, to my breasts and they're not producing enough milk and I can't feed my baby, that can also be super distressing because there's this, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's this obvious kind of judgment that this is the natural normative way to feed a baby. And if it doesn't work for some reason, we can judge ourselves for it. And I completely understand that. So I just want to acknowledge that, that if that's how you feel, then I get it because, um, you know, I just think it's we set up to be to feel this way about breastfeeding. Okay, if baby does not sleep well, you did nothing wrong. Some babies sleep well, others don't. It is not your fault. Oof, that's a big one. So I think the two big things with babies is feeding and sleeping. And sleep, just like feeding, is such a it's so rife for opinions and judgment so there are so many opinions about baby sleep and there's so many ideas about baby sleep and there's a lot to be said for how we communicate to parents about what babies should be doing and how they should be sleeping and what is acceptable and what is unacceptable and I think we cannot blame ourselves for believing that this that our baby's sleeping or not is our fault because this is the messaging that we're getting from all sides. We, we're, we're constantly told that our babies should be sleeping, our babies, this is how baby sleep should look. And so if your baby doesn't sleep according to these sort of guidelines, or if you compare yourself to another parent whose baby does sleep really nicely and there's almost nothing that they've done differently, it's just they just got a baby that sleep that sleeps nicely it's really hard not to compare and to judge yourself in that regard. But yes, if you, you know, if you can, bravo to you. If you realize that babies are just, you know, that sleep is just something that you either, you, they either do or they don't, then that is a cool attitude to have. I don't know how easy it is to have it. The, the flip side to that is, I do know that because sleep training is a thing and there's and, and there these are proven methods, if you want your baby to sleep, there are ways to get your baby to sleep. So even if you didn't get a sleeper, a good sleeper, you can you can shift that. You can shift that. You can these things can be in your control if you want them to be. Okay. 
The next person's advice was take a walk. It might be scary and confusing to get out of the house, but go for a walk. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not sure if this person feels like they didn't walk enough first time around. Maybe that's what they're saying, that maybe with the when they were first-time parent that they um, didn't go and, and, and take walks as much as they should have. Maybe maybe that's what they're saying here. Um, I mean, I... I, I can't recommend walks enough. For me, taking a walk is one of the best things that you can do for your mental health. And that's for everyone. It doesn't matter if you have a baby or not. If you are sad, reach out for help. This is normal. Okay, that's this is great advice. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this person also felt they were sad the first time around and didn't, and didn't actually get it, didn't seek help. Because that would be, you know, something, you know, problematic. So, yes, we... We are, we're going to feel all the emotions, you know, and, and, and it's okay. And sometimes we don't even know why we're feeling sad postpartum. I think that's the other thing is that we can feel very, very strong feelings and not really know why or where they've, they're coming from. And, and that's okay. You know, we have got such a huge, mix of hormones that are doing all sorts of things to us postpartum and that together with the physical recovery together with having to look after a small baby who cries and who you know has really kind of turned your life upside down you know there there are going to be moments of all sorts of emotions including sadness and yeah I, I think that to to not feel ashamed of one's emotions is really important to be able to say oh i just had such a you know a sad a tearful day today and to be able to share that with your partner your friends and 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 that if you keep feeling sad and you feel sad in a way that doesn't feel like it lifts and it feels like it's affecting your functioning that you would know that that's the kind of sadness that actually needs professional help um and then I really recommend you do seek professional help. The baby did not read the book, so they might not follow it. Yes, this is a very important one. I think I also needed to learn this first time round, and I probably don't, didn't even, well, maybe I did learn it the second time round. I think it's interesting, you know, even Meg Fora, who does uh, Sleep Sense, Baby Sense, Parent Sense, she has also recently adapted her schedules and has the created this sort of responsive schedule so that you can adapt and and work with your baby as they are every day rather than a set schedule that is set in stone and rigid and based on what averages i don't even know what it's based on um I do think the best advice you can get is is work with the baby in front of you, not with the baby in the book. Your your baby is who you need to respond to. Your your baby, your individual baby that is in front of you is is the is the person you need to understand and know and work with. And um, yeah, I I think that I think that that's hard first time round because learning learning something is hard being a novice at something being an amateur at something is hard and that's basically what it's what's required when you're a first-time parent or when you're a parent 
And when we are new to something, we it's really normal to sort of reach at everything external from us to try and steady us and to find a, a sense of 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 what what is real, what what is um, concrete, you know. And so books and advice can often be used in that way as something set in stone, you know. They said I must do this, so I'm going to do this, you know, and to learn to rather adapt to the baby in front of you, to adapt to the particular situation and stage that you're in. I mean, that takes time and 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 maturity as a parent. And so it might be something you only learn much later. Um, do what works and is best for you. Know that you are the perfect mama for your bubba. Okay, I like that a lot. And I think that that goes to what I was just saying, which is that um, parenting is about finding your own way. And yeah, I guess I also wish I'd known that earlier. I think I'd been told that, but it's hard to find your way. So don't expect yourself to find your way, but know that if finding your own way is the intention that you might lose your way along the way to find your way. And that's also okay. Oh, that's a rhyme. <laughs> okay. Kids are capable Oh, I think this person meant to say kids are more capable than you think. You impact you impact their confidence by doing everything for them. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So if this person seems to think that they would have liked to have known sooner the lesson that they've learned, which is that you probably would do better to let your kids learn for themselves and not do everything for them. And then I think that is a great lesson. And yeah, I think... I think what we what we might learn if we don't do that is that kids become reliant on us, and then it's actually just harder for us in the end. It's and and it's a disservice to them to to always be needed in that way. It's much more helpful to impart skills to so that they can learn how to do things for themselves. Um, but let me tell you, that's not always easy. Anyone anyone tried to. I mean, I remember when my when my firstborn was a toddler and I was trying to do practice this, you know, where they where they, where they want to they want to be the one to open the door. They want to be the one to feed themselves. They want to be the one to put on their own shoes. They want to be the one that dresses themselves. And they they're learning to do all of this stuff, so they don't do it very well. And they also take time to do these things. And sometimes you're in a rush and you just want to do things quickly because you need to get somewhere. And to wait for your toddler to do it themselves can sometimes feel like the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, I remember spending what felt like hours, it was probably just minutes, but minutes standing at your car waiting for your toddler to get in the car, seat themselves, to strap themselves in, you know, like to get the snack out the packet, you know. It's, it can be really challenging to let your child do the things themselves. Okay. Trust your gut. Ask for help. Don't feel guilty taking some me time. Take naps. Give Culpol after vaccines. Okay, so this person went for a full spectrum of advice. All right, trust your gut, I think is good advice. However, 
as I've been mentioning, you kind of have to also know what your gut is saying. And sometimes we don't know what our gut is saying. And sometimes our gut can be confused with anxiety because sometimes all we feel is butterflies in our tummies and we don't know what we, what we know. We, you know, we don't have a sense of this is what I know. And that's okay. You don't have to always know. It's okay to not be able to trust your gut sometimes because you feel it, like you don't have confidence in, in the thing that you're needing to, to do or you don't have experience in the thing you're needing to do. So you don't always have to trust your gut. You can also h- ask for help. And that was their second point was ask for help. Don't feel guilty taking me time. Oh, this is a big one. This is a big one. I think this is something I did learn first time round, And so I could apply it second time round. I have been so boss at taking me time second time round. I have been amazing at that. I got a nanny first, first, um, first and foremost. The first, first, first thing I did when I got pregnant was I made sure I had a nanny so that I would be able to have me time from the start. And sometimes me time is just getting to have a bath or a shower. Sometimes me time is going to do an exercise class. Sometimes me time is just sitting and watching a Netflix episode or reading a chapter of a book. But it doesn't matter what it is. It's okay. It's it's so important that the message you give yourself is that it's okay, that you are valid in wanting and taking me time. Take naps. Oh, I like that. But it's not always possible. And give cold pole. That's funny. Yeah, I think there are some practical things that we will only learn because we've become more experienced as parents and we can't know those things until we know them. Um, And people can give you advice like that, but at the end of the day, we mostly learn how to parent through experience. And that is what, that's what's going to happen with you. It's it's what's happened with me. It's what's going to happen with everyone. So you're not going to know how to do it all from the beginning. You're only going to learn because you experience something. And sometimes we have to go wrong and, and, and mess up in order to learn the lesson. Okay, the last piece of advice, which is really sweet. Oh, no, there's, there's some other ones I forgot. There's some other ones I must look for in another place. Another piece of advice is you don't need many clothes for a newborn. I'm not sure about that, actually, because sometimes it depends how many punamis there are. And it depends how much... Um, uh, positing they do. Some babies spit up a lot and then they ruin clothes the whole day. So you, I don't know about how many clothes you need for a newborn. But the, what is true is that whatever you get them, they're going to outgrow really quickly. So probably it's best to get secondhand um, or know that whatever you buy is going to be used for a very short time. Okay, someone else wrote, take all the advice in how to do things right with a grain of salt. Parenthood rules are cultural, so there's no absolute right. Read, listen, and then make your own rules for what works best for you. Also, don't kill yourself kill yourself over breastfeeding. Whatever happens is good enough. And everything is a phase. Focus less on the milestones and enjoy the moments. Oh, I love that advice. And... Second last one is second time round, I wasn't a part of a mom WhatsApp group and it was so freeing. It helped me to stop comparing myself to a bunch of strangers who just happened to have a baby in the same month as me. I stopped analyzing each night, stopped labeling things as leaps or milestones and rather just as a little human growing and changing each day. I guess I'd sum it up as letting go of all of the random societal standards and just focusing on my child. 
It has been the most incredible journey and I just love being a mom now. Oh, I love that. Isn't that awesome? It also reminds me of that, of my most recent uh, episode before this one, where I spoke about how mom's groups are not for everyone. And, and, and that's something that you just, you really need to feel it out. Trust yourself. If you're experiencing something as unpleasant, then you don't have to do it. You know, use the information that you're, that you're getting from your own body as evidence of this is either good or not good for me and, and, and adjust. And then the last piece of advice is, Sit down, just sit down. <laughs> I'm assuming this person rushes around a lot and doesn't let themselves rest. Rest is so important. It's okay to stop. Stopping is so important. Pausing is so important. Being is so important. Just stay still. And on that note, I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. 